the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Bob Bergman, estate planning attorney in San Jose, broadcasting from my office near the Westgate Shopping Center, across from El Paseo de Saratoga Shopping Centers. If you know that area, it's at Lawrence and uh, and Saratoga, um, very close to the Saratoga city border. I'm going to cover uh, some things today, uh, a lot of questions and comments that have come from around the state of California. And, uh, and I want to let you know that you can call in to the show today. The number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. You could also email me, if you wished, to radio at lawbob.com. That's L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. And you can ask me questions there if you'd like. Or uh, just send me an email to say hi, because I always love hearing from people. I've, I've been doing this for several months now, and I've found that uh, more and more I'm talking with people that heard the show, people who come to my seminars that have heard the show, people call in and ask questions because they've heard the show. And uh, it's just um, it, it's something that I find very, very uplifting for me to know that people are actually listening to the show and they're actually um, being informed and sometimes also entertained. I want to let you know that I do have my estate planning and retirement plan trust seminars coming up on the 19th. You can always go to my website at lawbob.com and follow the links to register for one of those seminars or you can go directly to eventbrite.com and search for Living Trust Seminar, search for the Retirement Plan Trust Seminar. Make sure the Living Trust Seminar, you find my seminar, because there's other people that give seminars like that uh, around the Bay Area, and you may see one of theirs first. Look specifically for the 17th of January. I also have other ones coming up in February, if that date doesn't work for you. So let's jump right in to some of the questions and comments that are coming around uh, the state of California that uh, I'm going to answer for you today. You may hear something that applies to your situation or something that will come up in the future and go, I remember hearing about that from that attorney, Bob Bergman. Maybe he can actually help us out with this situation. Now, here's someone who said, um, 
I already did my living trust. I'd like to change it, and I want to add my brother's name in. Uh, What do I need to do first without recalculating my brother's property tax? Not really clear what this person's asking. He's talking about adding his brother as a beneficiary of his trust. That won't have anything to do with the property tax while he's alive, but it will likely trigger reassessment of the property tax when the person passes away. If he's talking about um, adding property that he owns with his brother into his trust, then if he just transfers his share of the property into his trust, that would not cause a, uh, a new property tax reassessment. Here's someone saying, look, uh, I'm a beneficiary and the trustee won't give me any accountings. I assume beneficiary of a trust. I need to find out what I can do to get this accounting. Well, if a trustee of a trust who is required to provide an accounting to a beneficiary fails to provide that accounting and especially fails after being requested to do so, it may be necessary for this person to actually go to court and request that the court compel or order an accounting to be made. That's kind of an extreme measure. costs money to do that. And uh, just keep that in mind. It costs money and time, and you may not win, although in this case you probably would. So the better point is to make sure that the trustee actually has legal counsel so that they're aware that they actually have this requirement to provide the accounting. Here's a situation. If a beneficiary dies after the creator of a trust before receiving his total distribution, where do the funds go? So um, the question is, does it go to the other beneficiaries? Does it go to the descendants of the beneficiary that died Um, the short answer to the question is you look at what the trust says if the trust says give it to someone or their descendants and the someone passes away then it would now be passed on to the descendants typically the children, grandchildren, things like that Uh, sometimes trust will say uh, divided between these people then living if that happens then you could very well have it go to the other beneficiaries who are still alive. So there's not a simple answer to the question. It's a simple question, but not necessarily a simple answer. Okay, here um, someone had their mother passed away uh, and the house and other assets were left to this person and their brother Uh, The person asking the question wants to keep the house with the property and wants to know, how do I buy out my brother so that I can keep her tax base? Not enough funds to transfer to him. Can it be funded another way? Unfortunately, there's really only one way in this set of circumstances that it would be possible to, in effect, buy out the brother. The trust itself, which is now irrevocable, would have to apply for a loan against the property to get a dollar amount sufficient to give cash to the brother who doesn't want the property and give the property encumbered with this loan to the brother who wants to keep the property. That is a very sensitive transaction. 
It's not something you should try on your own. A lot of people say, well, how do we get a, uh, how do we get a loan against this property if, the, if there's uh, no income being generated? Well, there are lenders, usually private money lenders, what we call hard money lenders, that will make a loan like that. I have a number of them that I have information for. And they'll typically make a short loan, charge a pretty hefty fee to do it. But the idea is that once the property is transferred and there's an exclusion from reassessment because it's a parent-to-child transfer, then the, uh, the child that received the property goes out and refinances the property, putting on a, a proper owner-occupied loan because it's typically going to be owner-occupied. So that is, um, that is kind of like how that would be done. Here's someone who has an irrevocable trust that was set up for them by their spouse when the spouse passed away. Says, as a widow and sole trustee, I want to sell my current home and buy a new home in a different California county. Are there special steps I should take to do this properly? Well, the special steps are to make sure that you, that you list the property as the trustee of this trust, that you sell it and sign transfer paperwork as the trustee of the trust, and that you make sure that the uh, income, the capital gains or income that's earned on the sale gets reported under the tax identification number of that trust, and that the sale proceeds go back into that irrevocable trust that was set up for you, the widow. In doing that, you have kept that transaction completely separate from your individual life, and you will have complied with um, with the laws for reporting the taxable gain and income and everything else. Well, we're coming up now uh, for the first break of the show, and when we come back, I'll talk about more questions and comments from around the state of California. Until then, this is Davey Bob Bergman. Talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Before the break, I was giving you some questions and comments from around the state of California. I want to remind you that uh, I am broadcasting live today. You can call me at 800-516-1220 if you'd like to ask me questions on the air. Always uh, very grateful when people call because I find that uh, there's great questions and hopefully I'm giving some great answers as well. So here's a, an interesting question. Kind of goes a little bit outside of estate planning. But um, I happen to have some knowledge in this area. It's a kind of a real estate question. If the property owner of the property I live on did not pay the taxes for five years. Um, and I paid the property taxes and then the owner died. Can I become the new owner? I've been paying for 20 years the property taxes. So this person's been paying the property taxes for 20 years, living in the property, presumably uh, living openly and notoriously in the property. Those are legal terms right there. Uh, The answer is a qualified yes. The person could bring what's called a quiet 
title action in the Superior Court of the county where the property is located and basically assert, I've been living in this property for 20 years. I've paid the property taxes instead of the uh, owner of the property, and uh, the owners died, and I think the property should be mine. Now, if the owners died, this might have to be done through the probate court first or challenging in the probate court because it's the kind of thing you normally would do when the owner was still alive so that they could be given notice and everything. But uh, there may be a chance for this person to actually end up with this property because of the specific circumstances that they've related. Now here, um, let's see. Okay, workers' comp, no. Can my mother-in-law evict me? Ooh, that's a good one. My husband passed away two weeks ago. My mother-in-law owns the house. We've been here 15 years to take care of her. My husband and his sister are on the deed. Can she change it and put it only in her daughter's and her name and then evict me? Well, let's see if we can unwrap that a bit. Um, If this person will say Jane, Jane's husband, John, passed away two, two weeks ago, and they've been living in a house that is apparently owned by Jane and John and John's, excuse me, by John, John's sister, and John's mother. So presumably, um, John's interest, who just died, will pass to his wife, Jane, which will make her a co-owner of the property. Because of that, um, if she petitions the court for her husband's um, for her husband's estate and uh, and identifies this property there, I don't think the other two people can just evict um, because of the simple fact that they are not all of the owners of the property in order to do the eviction and because the person they're trying to evict is likely the presumptive heir to a one-third interest in the property. So I don't think that they'd be able to evict this person. I'm not an eviction expert. Haven't done those for a long time, but something tells me they would not be able to be evicted from that property. Now, if a trustee resigns um, from a revocable living trust, does that need to be filed anywhere? Uh, Grandma has a living trust. I'm the power of attorney. The trustee wishes to resign. A letter of resignation, as well as the beneficiary's um, Letters selecting a new trustee have been signed and notarized. Does anything have to be filed with the county, the court, etc.? You just keep copies and place them in the trust folder. Well, I'd say uh, other things that need to be done are to go around to every financial institution where that person is identified as a trustee and present them with a copy of the letter of resignation so they know that person is no longer a trustee and then also present evidence of who the new trustee is. If there's real estate involved and the trustee was put on the title as a trustee, then probably um, the original of this resignation that was signed and notarized should be recorded uh, in the uh, as an attachment to an affidavit of change of trustee to demonstrate that the 
existing trustee has resigned. Uh, photocopy of it actually might be sufficient. Uh, that has resigned and is no longer the trustee so that their name is taken off. And at the same time, uh, have that document maybe put on the name of the new trustee so that you have someone on the title of that real estate that actually has the authority to deal with it. Now here, um, this is kind of more of a family law question, but it does uh, bleed into the estate tax, or excuse me, the estate planning area. Wife and I live in California. We do not own a house or have children. We do have individual savings accrued in the six years of our marriage. Neither of us wants each other's money. Is it possible to get a waiver of community property rights? In other words, waive any claim to each other's money. Well, the short answer is yes. What these people really need to do to make sure that it's properly done, besides making uh, some kind of an estate plan to put their accounts in that is separate from their marriage, is probably to go and have a marital property agreement drawn up, each of them getting their own attorney, where they each agree to give up any all claim to, right to, or inheritance rights or anything else to the monies that they have accrued during the marriage. Because generally, if it's accrued during the marriage, it's likely going to be community property, especially if it came from wages or salary or things like that. In this case, though, there would be nothing stopping the parties deciding between them the kind of marital rights they want to have in reference to this property, having it be separate property instead of community property. Now, here someone wants to know, can I redo my trust now that my husband has passed? Can a non-lawyer write the trust and have it notarized without it going through a lawyer? Well, the answer is yes, but I certainly wouldn't recommend that. Uh, for one thing, we can't tell from the question whether or not the trust this person had with their husband has some requirements that it be divided or distributed in some way. That is, the husband's share be divided or distributed in some way. Just going ahead and rewriting the trust without determining whether or not the surviving spouse, in fact, has the right to rewrite the trust or is required to do some other things or maybe even go to court to change things, that's something we don't know. So we're coming up on the midpoint of the show today. I hope you've learned a few things. When we come back after the break, I'm going to go into more questions and comments from around the state of California. And uh, we'll continue then. So until then, this is Attorney Bob Bergman. Talk you af- talk to you after the mid-show break. Back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Well, I've kind of peeked ahead and there's some uh, kind of interesting questions and comments coming up. So 
If you're not going to do anything else for the next 10 minutes or so, you might want to listen in to what I'm going to be covering just now. Here's a um, fairly straightforward one, someone here from the Bay Area. Um, people said, we got a new property and we want to have beneficiaries only for this property. Should we include it in our living trust? Um, there's a trust set up for our children. We got a new property and then we want to have our children and stepchildren as beneficiaries in case of our death with different percentages. Uh, should we transfer the property to the living trust and do another document to assign beneficiaries or should we do a different document only for this property without considering the family trust? Um, now, here, I think that the bigger question is, um, what are obviously, what are their intentions? If we determine what the intentions are, I would say probably transfer it to the family trust, the living trust, do an amendment to that trust, that specifically identifies this property and how they want that distributed, then that amendment only deals with that property. I don't think you need to do another trust. I don't, um, there's no deed involved with that that assigns the beneficiaries. That's all done through the trust. They were asking about deeds as well. And I would say an amendment to the trust, specifically identifying what happens to this new property that has been transferred into the trust is probably the best way to go. Now, here's someone who has uh, says, my mom has a manufactured home and is going to be on Medi-Cal soon. She just inherited $80,000 from her sister. She does have a living trust. My question is, can the 80000 be deposited directly into the trust and be protected from Medi-Cal reimbursement, or do we need to do a special needs trust? Well, First of all, if she's already inherited it, the most you could do at this point, assuming she's otherwise eligible, would be to do a first-party special needs trust through the court system. And I don't know, depending on the age of your mother, she may not be eligible to even do that. Uh, it's very possible that $80,000 will cause her to lose her Medi-Cal eligibility for several months until that's all paid down. Um, the time to do that planning was for the sister to do planning to leave the property um, in trust to her sibling. Um, I, for example, in my trust that I draft, even if there's outright distributions being made to people, I have as a backup that if the person receiving a distribution is a special needs person receiving benefits, benefits like SSI, Medi-Cal, things like that, that are needs based benefits, that instead of an outright distribution to them, it's distributed in a supplemental needs trust so that they never actually receive the inheritance directly and it cannot be taken from them or be forced to be spent down before their government benefits kick in and they also won't lose their government benefits as a result. So that's actually a pretty good question and it's something that... Uh, really should be considered um, ahead of time because you can't anticipate who might end up a special needs person today, uh, what might happen in the future. So your planning that you do should have contingencies built into it just in case 
someone becomes a special needs person in the future after you set up your plan. One of the things, an observation I make a lot in my meetings is someone can go from being perfectly healthy to a special needs person in a split second from a stroke, an aneurysm, from a car crash, being thrown from a motorcycle in a crash, falling off a ladder, falling off a building, getting an electric shock that uh, that that kind of fries them. All these kinds of things that could happen uh, could end up with someone being becoming special needs in a moment or in an instant. So good planning will plan for that possibility, and that's what I do when I do the trust that I create. I always have standby provisions just in case a beneficiary is a special needs person at the time they're eligible to inherit. Now, here's somebody that wants to be very, very explicit about how they feel about their immediate family, their parents and their siblings. They said they've not contacted nor know anything about parents or siblings in 10 or more years. Don't know who's alive or dead, and I don't care. Same is true of the extended family. There was lots of violence and abuse in the past, and I don't want any of them in my life. Especially worried about them getting custody of my kids when I do have kids. That looks to be soon. I don't want anything to do with their children if they have children. I don't want to be connected to them in any way, and I don't want them connected to me. I don't want any inheritance from them, nor should they get any from me. So I want the legal status as much as possible to be that of a complete stranger. So, for something like that, I would say do an estate plan, first of all, that says all these people and their descendants are not receiving anything from me at any time whatsoever. When you have a child or children, make sure you have a will or a nomination of guardians that not only says who you want, but um, maybe also spells out who you would not want in there. Now, I do a special type of planning for families with young children, which includes a a document I've created called a confidential exclusion of guardians, which some of my clients use to name family members as uh, people that they consider to be completely unfit to be guardians to take care of and raise their children. And that could be unfit for any number of reasons, And uh, it's designed to be presented to the court if one of those people comes forward to try and take over as guardians for the children of my client that just passed away. So that's a special type of planning, some way to communicate to the court, no matter matter what, I don't want my parents, my siblings, um, their children, you know, whatever the group is or however you can identify them by name or by category. You know, my siblings, my cousins, my nieces and nephews, whatever it is, that would probably be the best way to go is to have all that in writing so it's very clear. As for not receiving an inheritance from them, if somehow you get left something, you can always disclaim it, which means you can always make up, take a writing and write up in a formal way. I don't want it. And basically treat me like I'm already dead. And then it will typically go to someone else, maybe another relative of yours that you want to have nothing to do with, but at least it won't come to you. 
Now, here's a question that comes up, and it's even one that's actually debated between attorneys as to what to do. Uh, This person's making several beneficiary changes to their living trust, and they don't want to do an amendment because then the beneficiaries would see the positive or negative change in their inheritance due the requirement for an amendment to be added to the back of the original trust. Our preference is a restatement. I agree with that. If you're going to make major changes to the beneficiaries, do a restatement of the trust. Make the changes in the restatement. Now that is the most recent trust document. Earlier trust or amendments of those are no longer relevant and beneficiaries aren't entitled to see what happened before the restatement. But then wanted to know, do the name and date of the trust remain the same? I believe that it would now be uh, the John Smith and Jane Smith Living Trust dated December 1st, 2005, restated January 11th, 2019. And in the trust itself, you would indicate it was set up on that earlier date, and this is an amendment and restatement of the entire trust, and now everything after that is the whole new trust document. Some attorneys will actually take uh, a restatement and give it a whole new date. Now, that would force you to go back and actually change the title on everything where that trust had a title on, including real estate, bank accounts, brokerage accounts, things like that. I don't think that's a good use of time or effort. I think the better thing is to do it as as the original name, original date, and then the restatement date. So this person says, my mother passed, uh, looks like actually over two years ago. She had two homes and a family trust. I'm listed as a beneficiary and I'm also a successor trustee. What do I have to do to have both real properties put in my name? Quit claim does not seem correct. Well, a quit claim could be used, but really what you're talking about is just a grant deed from the trust, from you as trustee of the trust, to you as now an individual or however else you want to receive the title. It's probably going to be necessary to do an affidavit of change of trustee on each property, which would have a death certificate attached for the mother, and that is to take over as the trustee so that then new deeds could be signed transferring the property out of the trust to the individual beneficiary. And that would be likely the best approach to take right there. We're coming up on the third break of the show, and after this break we have the shortest segment. So if you want to give me a call, give me a call at 800 516-1220. You can hold over the commercials and we can pick you up right after the break. You can always email me at radio at lawbob.com. So this is attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll get back to you after this final break for the show today. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. Uh, Over the break, uh, I've got 
Ryan from San Ramon on the line. Ryan, are you there? Yes, uh, my name's Rod. Yes, I'm here. Rod, okay. Sorry about that. No problem. Rod from San Ramon. So, uh, so uh, what can I help you with today? Okay, <clears throat> I bought two houses before I got married. Uh, one in 1988 and one in 1986. And I got married, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years later. Anyway, I've been married about 20-something years. But those properties, I bought them as sole and separate property and um, did a, also had a prenup done, premarital agreement done. So mm-hmm. if I want to sell my property right now, uh, my name is on the deeds of those two properties. Does that mean that I get to keep them, or or what happens? Let's say if we get a divorce. Okay. Well, I mean, if you want, if you were to sell them right now, then you'd sell them right now. Um, they. Let me see if I can unpack that a little bit. Okay. Um, questions to ask would be: At any time during the marriage, did you take money from the marriage to make like the? Uh, property tax payments or mortgage payments or anything on those properties you owned before the marriage? No. Okay. So the have the properties always been maintained, the taxes, insurance, payments like that, from the rents generated by those properties? No. No, not, not, not necessarily, no. I just paid, okay. you know, I just paid everything. On, um, on the house, I mean, on the cars, houses. Okay, well, I I understand that you paid everything, but the but where the money came from is actually critical to answering your question. If mm-hmm. if the money came from from the properties themselves, like you you brought rent in and used the rent to pay the taxes, to pay the insurance, the maintenance, to pay any mortgage there might have been, and you've always kept it completely separate from your marriage. Then it then it likely still is separate property. Um, if you have a prenup that says it's your separate property, that's your biggest thing there. Uh, without looking at it, it probably says something to the effect of it stays your property no matter what. I would hope it says something like that. But um, it yeah, is but it, it is possible. Go ahead. Well, yeah, the prenup. You know it it talks about the things that people do that, that mess them up out of a prenup but it, but it, this this stuff the way the guy writes it he makes it sound like it's going to be a slam dunk it's going to be really easy um, that I don't really know but I'm, my question really is just you know we're not you know we never split a bank account um I just think it's fair that I get the property. I bought it much, you know, way before the marriage. Well, I, I mean, are you anticipating that the marriage is about to end? Is that what this uh, is about? Well, it's just I'm considering it. You know, I mean, I, I'm not really thrilled about the marriage, and I don't want to get involved any longer. And then, you know, it's just. You know, I don't get anything when when the property sells. I mean, is there any reason why she would get it as opposed to me getting it? Well, that's ultimately a family law question, and it would have to do with 
how you dealt with the that separate property during the marriage, uh, whether you used money uh-huh. from the marriage to maintain the property, which could actually start giving a community property interest to your spouse, even though that wasn't necessarily intended, that could end up being the effect mm-hmm. of that. Um, mm-hmm. So the so that's kind of the the short answer is it's primarily a family law question, but uh, you can really get into trouble when you have separate property, and you take money from the marriage to maintain that separate property. Uh, making repairs is one thing; then the marriage is entitled to have the money come back. Um, if there's a dissolution of the marriage, uh, but pay, making making payments on the property taxes, insurance, mortgages, that can actually cause a community property interest to be acquired by the spouse who's not the owner of the property. So ultimately, you need to talk with a family lawyer about the implications of what you may or may not have done during the marriage. Uh, and your prenuptial agreement is going to be a major part of that discussion because that may actually answer everything and say you've got nothing to worry about. So did that well, help? I had, one, I had one attorney that looked at it. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, a state planning attorney, but that's what he told me. He said that— um, Well, it's, should... what I'm saying is it's not really an estate planning attorney question. It's a family lawyer question um, be, because it has to do with— the family code, which is a different code of the law than the probate code. Um, I wish we could talk more, but we're we're coming up. we got a minute left to go, so I'm going to wrap it up now. But thank you so much for calling in. Uh, I urge you consult with a family lawyer uh, to dive deeper into that question that you have. And so I'd like to say bye now. Um, you still there? Yeah, thank you for okay. the information. All right. You're very welcome, and you have a great afternoon and weekend. So that's it today. That's it today for Plan Your Estate Radio. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. I want to remind you I do have seminars on the 19th of January in my office here in San Jose. You can always email me at radio at lawbob.com or call me at 408-247-0444 if you have questions or you need to meet for something. Until next week, this is attorney Bob Bergman. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.